Hello everyone, it's Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. The world is filled with many questions, such as, did giants exist? What is junk DNA? Does it mean that you're trash? Do you ever wonder if aliens have underwater bases in our oceans, and that's why there are so many UFO sightings off the coasts of islands all over the world? How serious even is climate change, and when should we start building our rafts? Hello, everyone. You may recognize me as Gabby from the History of Everything podcast. And my name is Bruna, and you don't recognize me from anything yet. Together, we're two scientists who explore the answers to these questions and many, many more in our new podcast, Mystery of Everything, available everywhere you get your podcasts. It began long ago. Two young boys in an American town riding their bikes to school and Little League practice. Over the years, the boys became fast friends, united in their love for stories where things would go horribly wrong. Pour yourself a strong beverage and buckle up. You're in the shallow end with Schnepley and Toth. Well, hello, dear friend. Are you ready for another episode? By my count, JG, this is episode number 45. We are, we're knocking on the door of 50. I know, that's crazy. This is turning into a real podcast. I might have to start getting serious about this. Don't do that, because then <laughs> I'll have to. Yeah, and okay. I just don't want the, the extra work. Um, Who needs that? I was, uh, I didn't tell you this, but w- this week we cleared uh, half a million downloads. Yeah, baby. How about that? That's a milestone. That is a milestone. I love that about us. And thanks to uh, everybody who helped us get there. Yeah, great job, everybody. We appreciate it. And and please share with your friends as we continue to grow this little podcast. And uh, it, it just, it helps, you know, subscribing and sharing it and, you know, all of that stuff. You know. We appreciate your contributions, your emails, your story ideas. Lifeguard at shallowendpodcast.com. A listener named Stephanie, I'm just going to sneak this in, says... Howdy, guys. I feel like I email you after every episode. I would save the ideas and do it all in one email, but my ADHD chipmunk brain don't work like that. I had a gym teacher in high school who only played pickleball all day, every day. And the only song he played over the speakers was Snoop Dogg's What's My Name Every Damn Day. Since it's a public school, you could look up salary info online, which I did a few years after I graduated. Uh This man made $70,000 a year playing pickleball and snoop. I am in the wrong profession. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Keep making episodes. I laugh every time. These are the best part of my day. And I'll probably email you again tomorrow. Stephanie. Oh, Stephanie. That's, you know, that's not a bad gig, buddy. Making 70K a year and just playing pickleball and snoop. God bless America. Where do you sign up for that? Right? What would be the the degree? What was your what would the major be? That's a great question. A bachelor of uh, pickleball? I'm guessing something like uh pickleball studies, social social something <laughs> studies with uh, an emphasis on 
on Snoop and Pickle. I don't know. <laughs> but in America, you can you can find anything, right? You certainly can. I think you go first. I do. I think it's yeah. fair to say that 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 we all have some sort of sexual fantasies. Hmm. And I think it's also fair to say that they range from fairly pedestrian to those that are, shall we say, a, a bit more exotic. Things that involve perhaps a funnel and a drop cloth. And uh, the fireman shower rescue game. Is that? Uh... <laughs> that's, that's always been my favorite. I got, <laughs> I got that joke from Cheers. It was an episode of Cheers. Oh, that and, show. Uh, yeah, that was great. And that was one of those jokes where the second I heard it, I thought, I am, I'm going to remember that phrase for the rest of my life. <laughs> well, this is the story of a man that we'll call Bob. Okay, his name's fair. I don't know what his name is. He's unnamed. Uh, His real name could be Bob. I don't know. Bob fell on the sexual fantasy scale closer to the latter than the former. Um, He was a little bit more into the unusual stuff. Now, he lived near Griffith in New South Wales, Australia. And it was July of 2019. You know, we've got a lot of listeners in Australia. We do. And it's funny how when you start a story... In Australia, the whole thing automatically takes a different... It's like you set your brain up for something that you wouldn't hear in the States. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it's a different place. Oh, that's what it is. (laughs) I forgot. Go on. (laughs) It was July 2019, and Bob's fantasy had been rattling around inside his head for, well, quite a while. And he started thinking about acting upon it uh, after... Much long and deliberate consideration, uh, Bob thought, oh, what the hell, let's give it a go. (laughs) Now, Bob's fantasy was quite specific. He thought it would be amazingly sexy if two guys with machetes broke into his apartment, (laughs) tied him up and tickled him with a broom while he's wearing only underpants. Oh, I'm laughing because that's long been one of my favorite fantasies that I've never... (laughs) But to hear you say it out loud is, I feel vindicated. (laughs) Machetes. Two machete-wielding men. Okay. But, you know, that's not the kind of fantasy that you can ask a friend to participate in. Um, So we started considering finding strangers who would be willing to participate in this fever dream. Um, But but he needed to make sure it was done right. So he decided that he would he would offer payment for this service, as one does. Ultimately, he turns to social media to find some willing participants. Yeah. Yeah. And he found them. He found them on Facebook. Okay. So the negotiation takes place over private message, and the deal was struck where two guys agreed to break into his home with machetes, tie him up in his underpants, and tickle him with a broom for $5,000. Wow. Yeah, in my mind. Five uh, grand. Yeah, it seems like he, he overpaid for that service, but. Uh, Boy, that makes, that, that makes uh, 70K to play pickleball and listen to Snoop sound like there's a whole there's a whole world of free enterprise out there that I didn't know existed. Yeah. If you tickle 15 guys in their underpants, you're all set for the year. Right. And I imagine the participants are thinking, okay, this is easy money. So the arrangements were made. The money was deposited in an escrow account. And Bob gave the uh, broom tickling underpants participants his address. Now, 
Part of the fantasy was that Bob didn't want to know when they would show up. Well, of course not. He wanted it to be a surprise. Yeah, for five grand, you don't, you, you want this to be as realistic as possible, right? Exactly, yeah. And he requested that, that it not happen immediately. <laughs> he, again, he wanted to <laughs> preserve the element of surprise. Okay, all right. Yeah. <laughs> now, you're thinking these guys showed up when his pastor was visiting or something, right? Well, I was I was somehow picturing because uh, we don't know you, you haven't said if he has a significant other, if he had a girlfriend or a wife. And I'm guessing probably. Well, no, he likely. did not. He did not. A few weeks go by and the mach- and the machete uh, broom tickling underpants bandits uh, make their move. It was early morning. OK. At about 615 a.m. when they oh. broke, they broke into the client's home. What they didn't realize was that about a week or so prior, the guy had moved to a new address 30 miles away and hadn't updated them. He forgot. This one I did not see coming, (laughs) if you'll pardon the expression. So they break into the kitchen and they call out Bob's name. And coincidentally, the new tenant's name was also Bob. Oh, boy. Oh, God. Now, it's 6.15 in the morning. And uh, the new tenant is, understandably, still in bed. He said he woke up and he noticed that the kitchen light was on at 6.15, but that didn't alarm him because he assumed it was his friend who normally came by in the morning to make coffee. He would just pop in to brew a pot first thing in the morning. Kind of like like Kramer would just stop by Jerry's apartment, that kind of thing. Exactly. But when he heard the guys calling out his name, he turned on the bedroom light. And when he removed his sleep apnea mask. (laughs) This is already so sexy. Do go on. (laughs) He sees two strange men standing over his bed holding machetes. Machetes, yeah. (laughs) Needless to say, the man was a bit freaked out. Oh, my The guys with machetes stood there in a menacing stance over his bed, but once the man took off his sleep apnea mask, they realized it was not their client, Bob. I love how you refer to to them as uh, their client. (laughs) It just makes it so much more uh, dignified and above board. Yeah, it's professional. He's a client. Yeah, it's more professional. So they didn't recognize the man from their original client's Facebook photos. When the two guys with the machetes realized their error, one of them said to the current tenant, quote, sorry, mate, and then shook the resident's hand and they left. Okay. This, right. this was according to local reports. That must have been weird. You hear noise. You hear somebody call your name. You open your eyes. You turn on the lights. You take off your sleep apnea mask. Two guys with machetes are standing there. <laughs> And then one of them, with no explanation, says, Sorry, mate. And, and shakes your hand and leaves. Yeah. yeah. Well, this was all according to local news reports. So I'm wondering uh, if, if I'm Bob and I've, I've given five grand to these guys. <laughs> yeah. Only to find out that, uh, that they've gone to the wrong house because I didn't tell them that I had moved. Mm. If, I'm the, if I'm machete guys, do I say, oh, sorry. Uh, you know, you already, we, we did what you paid us to do. Yeah. So if you want this fantasy, you, you need to come up with another five grand. That would be good business sense on the, on the part of the underpants tickler bandits. Right. 
In an interesting twist here, the current resident knew Underpants Bob, or at least where he had moved to. And surprisingly, he gave the two machete client Bob's un, uh, Bob's current address. How, how considerate of him, especially when you're awakened out of a dead sleep and you have to take off your sleep apnea mask to have the presence of mind to say, oh, yeah, no, no, no worries, mate. Uh <laughs> Here's the address where this bloke is at. So the two machete guys arrived at Bob's new house, client Bob. Right. And they entered his premises with their machetes. Right. Underpants Bob, I guess, at this point had second thoughts about uh, what he referred to as, quote, those big knives in your trousers. <laughs> so. Oh, boy. So he asked them to leave the weapons in the car, which they did. Okay. They then returned to Underpants Bob's home and proceeded to tickle him in his underpants with a broom. He then fixed them breakfast. He, he cooked them some bacon, eggs, and noodles. Oh, wow. And they all sat down, and while they were having breakfast, the police arrived at the property and quickly found the machetes that the pair had left in the vehicle, and they were arrested on site. At the trial, the judge concluded that, quote, the facts of this case are unusual. He then, <laughs> he then, you think, judge? He then ruled that the evidence did not suggest that the men's actions were intentional. Quote, they carried the machetes either as a prop or something to use in that fantasy. He went on to say the fantasy was unscripted and there was discretion as to how it was to be carried out. A lawyer for one of the men said, quote, <laughs> it was a commercial agreement to tie up and stroke a semi-naked man in his underpants with a broom. <laughs> this was entered into the court records. <laughs> it sounds to me like the judge probably had a background in the arts <laughs> you know, that he, he thinks, no, I'm not too worried about the machete because that's part of the role play. And right, I right. understand as an actor, you would want to have the prop with you to be exactly. fully. Yeah. Yeah. The judge then acquitted them of the charge of entering a home armed with a weapon. That's according to Australian media. So it was uh, it was it was quite a weekend there in Griffith. Sounds like. Wow. My source information, the BBC, the Beebs. And the Sydney Morning Herald, which I'm finding an increasingly fruitful source of information and stories for, for these types of things. Thanks, Australia. <laughs> it's pretty much Florida and Australia, it seems. Pretty much all you need. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. When Johann Rahl received the letter on Christmas Day, 1776, he put it away to read later. Maybe he thought it was a season's greeting and wanted to save it for the fireside. But what it actually was, was a warning, delivered to the Hessian colonel, letting him know that General George Washington was crossing the Delaware and would soon attack his forces. 
The next day, when Raw lost the Battle of Trenton and died from two Colonial Boxing Day musket balls, the letter was found, unopened in his vest pocket. As someone with 15,000 unread emails in his inbox, I feel like there's a lesson there. Oh well, this is The Constant, a history of getting things wrong. I'm Mark Chrysler. Every episode, we look at the bad ideas, mistakes, and accidents that misshaped our world. Find us at constantpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. For years, you've loved him in films like Taken, The Chronicles of Narnia, and Schindler's List. Now, from the company that brought you the Jennifer Coolidge GPS voice comes a whole new level of cool. Imagine getting directions from actor Liam Neeson himself. Hey, Liam, how do I get to Costco? Costco? There are things there you don't want in your home. Let's go somewhere else now. Hey, Liam, how much farther to the grocery store? If we get there and something has happened to my daughter, I will hunt you down and kill you. The Liam Neeson GPS voice. He may not get you where you want to go, but you know you'll get there safely. Hey, Liam, what's the fastest way home? We could go home, but there may be men there you don't want to deal with. You stay here. I'll come back for you when it's safe. Hey, Liam. I think we're being followed. Make a right, then a left, then pull over. Just do as I say. The Liam Neeson GPS voice. Celebrity voice impersonated. The email address for JG and me and the lifeguard is lifeguard at shallowendpodcast.com. Story ideas, your own stories recorded on your phone. Um, anything that you want to send in, we... Uh, we read each and every piece that you guys send. A woman named Mandy writes, Greetings, fellow swimmers. I wanted to tell you about my recent boo effect slash shallow end moment. I've experienced a few boo effects here and there, but this time it came with my own shared skinny dip. How's that for a lead in? This past Wednesday, March 29th, I had to arise at an unholy hour due to my dad having a medical procedure. As anyone who's had outpatient procedures knows, they want you there stupid early. But since the hospital was an hour and a half away, that made the hour of my awakening even more obscene. I woke in the morning, stumbled to the kitchen to pour myself a cup of ambition. Long live Dolly. I go about the coffee prep as per usual and continue getting dressed when I hear my beloved say from the kitchen table, Babe, you good? This is with a bit of bemusement in his voice. I walk back in there to find him staring at the cupboard with a smirk on his face. There, amongst the coffee cups, was my bottle of coffee creamer. I guess in my sleep-deprived state, that seemed like a great place for it. Uh Fast forward to me getting on the road for the drive down and listening to the latest TSE, and the chuckle I gave to hear JG describing his own toe dip in the shallow end Mm -hmm. by leaving his milk in the cabinet. Oh, yes. So much dairy abuse this week, it's just shameful. Dairy abuse is always shameful. <laughs> it is. It's never okay. It's never good. Thanks so much for laughs and fun stories between Box of Oddities and The Shallow End. Much love to you guys, Mandy. That's wild. You and Mandy both uh, within days of each other. That is crazy. Putting dairy products in cupboards. What's to, what's to become of us all, right? I fear for <laughs> the future of our children. I do too. Have you ever wondered what really happened to Amelia Earhart or the lost colony of Roanoke? Do you ever find yourself scouring the internet for vicious Victorians and their murders by gaslight? 
Or perhaps you're just sick and tired of women being constantly misrepresented or plain lied about throughout history. If so, join me, Katie Charlwood, history harlot and reader of books. On Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class. Part of the Area of Media Network. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Adios, au revoir, au revoir to zen, my friends. Bye-bye. I'll be seeing you. You're in the shallow end with Schnappley and Toth. I got a story. I, indeed I do. Um, this takes place in, well, it, mostly in California, but it involves some other some other states. And this is actually uh, fairly new, like just within the past couple of weeks. Authorities have broken up a nationwide marijuana smuggling and unemployment fraud ring. How's that for combining two things? I was just going to say that is an unusual uh, and dangerous combination. It is. It is. The suspects are accused, in addition, of impersonating FBI and DEA agents. Not Among cool. a litany of other charges. Yeah, yeah, not smart. Uh, it centers around a, a guy named Quinton Moody, who is from a place uh, southeast of Oakland, California, called Dublin, not the, uh, not the one in Ireland. And this guy, <clears throat> Mr. Moody, is accused of heading this criminal organization. What they did was they sold uh, pot that they bought here in California, and then they turned around and sold it to five other states. And in addition to doing this, they engaged in unemployment insurance fraud. And as I said, they impersonated federal agents. So this guy, Quinton Moody, has uh, pleaded guilty to conspiracy to distribute this marijuana, aggravated identity theft. I didn't know there was such a thing as aggravated identity theft. And obstruction of justice. I find identity theft uh, very aggravating. Actually. Well, maybe that's why they call it mm. that way. Mm. So these charges could have netted, netted him more than 40 years in prison. He's going to be sentenced in July, um, and he's probably only going to get seven years as part of a plea agreement. But backing up, this gentleman, Mr. Moody, had a partner in crime named Myra Minx. Uh, and also a, another woman, another woman, Jessica Tang. Minx All, and Tang. Yeah. Great yeah. names. Right? <laughs> Sounds like an old Burt Reynolds movie from the 70s. It does. Yeah. It was, it was just before Cannonball Run, I think. He did <laughs> Mink, Minx and Tang. Mm-hmm. So Mrs. Minx impersonated at times. She was, I guess she was pretty confident in her ability to pull off impersonating an agent because she impersonated a Secret Service agent uh, and also FBI agent wow. and also a DEA, Drug Enforcement Administration agent. Wow. And these guys were so sophisticated that they got dubbed the Moody Minx organization <laughs> by the law enforcement team that was investigating them what they did was they used couriers airline employees and a shipping company to send this marijuana to various destinations which is of course illegal they used uh as i said couriers they used airlines and they would buy the pot in california for fifteen hundred dollars a pound and then they would turn around 
and sell it at a considerable markup to clients in Georgia, Illinois, Michigan, Nevada, and Texas. And they would get as much as $2,600 a pound to sell this dope that they had bought for $1,500 a pound. So they were, they were making, you know, some pretty, some pretty good, good dough. Now, on one of these occasions, Mrs. Minx, the woman, allegedly called the California Highway Patrol because there had been a drive-by shooting in Oakland. And she impersonates a DEA agent, and she uses the name Amanda Wilkins. This is DEA agent Amanda Wilkins. And she calls the, the California Highway Patrol, and she says, I'm just curious if one of the drivers of those cars involved in this drive-by shooting had made any statements to law enforcement. And then she goes on to tell the CHP, by the way, uh, if you go uh, investigate, if you if you look in in this guy's car, you're going to find three hundred and fifty thousand dollars in cash. And again, she's impersonating a DEA agent. Well, the CHP calls the DEA and says, so we just got a call from this woman, this agent named Amanda Wilkins. And they say, well, please hold. And then the DEA comes back on the phone and says, yeah, we don't have anybody under that name. We don't have an agent named Amanda Wilkins. (laughs) But the CHP goes to the car anyway that belongs to this guy in the shootout. And they do find nearly $375,000 in cash packed in two suitcases in this dead guy's vehicle. So they're pretty... They're pretty brazen in in their willingness to to set themselves up to unsuspecting uh, people as law enforcement. And and in particular, when you think that you're representing yourself to other legitimate law enforcement Mm. as law enforcement yourself when you're not. They had also, Moody and Minks, been accused of orchestrating an effort to gain the release of two vintage automobiles that Mr. Moody had had seized by the FBI. Wow. Earlier, he had had these two vintage cars seized and he wanted to get them back. So this is what leads to the to Mr. Moody being uh, charged with obstruction of justice. He was trying trying specifically to retrieve a 1969 Chevy Camaro and a 1956 Chevy pickup truck. And he wanted to get these two cars out of an FBI lockup yard. Now, these cars had been seized in April of last year when the FBI agents were searching, were executing search warrants at a garage in Georgia. So on April 15th, of last year, they seize these two cards, cars and they take them to the agency's uh, field office and, and lock them in a tow yard. Well, three weeks later, this flatbed truck arrives at the FBI office and the truck driver says to the agents, uh, yeah, I'm here to pick up a uh, Chevy Camaro and a, a Chevy pickup. I got these uh, documents. And he shows these FBI agents these documents, uh, including one that was 
uh, purportedly signed by a district judge. And it turns out that the documents are fake. So amazingly, it sounds like they didn't even investigate the tow truck driver or arrest him. They were just like, no, nah, buddy, these these documents aren't real. Just take off <laughs> because they contained several hallmarks of fraudulent court orders, including the fact that the judge who had apparently signed these these uh, documents was was actually misidentified as a district judge. Well, they don't give up. So May 10th. Now, a few weeks later, uh, uh, actually, I'm sorry, just a few days after they get turned away, they show up again. (laughs) Did they make the necessary corrections? Well, they thought they had. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. We got our papers in order. So (laughs) Moody, this uh, uh, criminal, calls the towing company and says, okay, I need you to go back to that tow yard and pick up the Camaro and the truck. <laughs> so the the truck shows back up. The driver presents, uh, again, phony court documents that had been altered from the first temp- attempt. And even before actually the tow truck shows up, another person calls the FBI's Atlanta field office pretending to be an FBI agent Good Lord. and says, okay, paperwork's in order, truck's showing up, turn over the, uh, turn over the cars. Well, it didn't work. It didn't work. And Mr. Moody never got his vehicles back. And as part of his plea agreement, he, he agreed to forfeit both of those cars back to the federal government. Presumably, he will never, ever see them again. Wow. That's a great example of people having just enough knowledge and ability to be dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to to be, quote unquote, savvy enough to forge these documents, to pose as a, an FBI agent to another FBI agent, to pose as a DEA agent to another F to federal agent. I mean, that's that's like brass, brass yeah, balls, yeah, right? Yeah, it really is. Getting back to the original call from the fake DEA agent about the money in the car. What was the motive of that call? I'm not sure. I just think it's interesting that, and again, this was this was Minx, the woman mm-hmm. who purported to be the DEA agent and wanted to find out if any of the cars uh, had any statements, ha- had anything that would tie material found in those cars, uh, I believe, to Minx or her partner that somehow this drive-by shooting was connected to them. So she calls the CHP posing as an agent saying, hey, just curious, have you found anything in those cars that might give you some clues on who was involved? But then she told them that there was $350,000 in cash. cash. Exactly. And she was wrong because there was actually nearly $375,000 in cash packed in two different suitcases in this dead man's vehicle. I'm just so knocked out by people who, I shouldn't say knocked out. I, 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 I'm, I'm scared of getting a parking ticket. You've got, (laughs) you've got people in this world who are, could not care less and are actually savvy enough to a point 
to play a, another federal agent. And it seems to me, having read enough real stories about law enforcement, that one of the, the really sensitive things that law enforcement officers hate is somebody posing as a law enforcement agent when they're not. Yeah. Well, understandably so. Yeah. I got this from the Sacramento Bee and Yahoo News. And as of now, Mr. Moody is expected to be sentenced to only seven years in prison as part of a plea agreement. He could have gotten 40 years, but uh, but he got lucky. Yeah, I should say after after all that he did, he got off very, very lightly. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would think I'm no expert. Light. You know, I'm not a law enforcement official. Uh, I just want to make that clear. Yeah. Um, in case there was any, any curiosity on people's parts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. The charges could have gotten him more than 40 years and he mm. got only seven. So that's crazy. That's lucky. Love that story. And we love you guys hanging out with us here at uh, in the shallow end. It's uh, it's been quite a dip. Um, we, <laughs> <laughs> I need a shower and a towel. Uh, we've been in Not here just, a long time and I'm and yeah, I'm, I'm getting wrinkly. I, I was just going to say my fingers are starting to get pruny. So we better wrap this up. Yeah. Send us your story ideas, your comments, your jokes, any observations, anything. Lifeguard at shallowendpodcast.com. And remember to make good choices. Your life might depend on it. So concludes another episode of The Shallow End with Schnebly and Toff. We thank you for listening. Oh, be a dear, would you? Please subscribe to this podcast. Give these boys a five-star rating and think of something nice to say. Even if you have to make something up. And visit us online at shallowendpodcast.com. Okay, gotta go. <laughs>